0: Good evening and welcome to the show. Well, one of the most tedious aspects of the COVID lockdown was the slogans that were devised in order to keep us locked up and compliant. We're all in this together, our overlords said to us as we were locked up in our homes and and watched businesses go bankrupt while they kept their high-paid jobs and moved about with relative ease and impunity. Staying apart keeps us together, roll up your sleeve for the vaccine. It's no coincidence that these lines lost their currency as easily as discarded advertising jingles because that's what they were. But here's a slogan that may well define the era into which we are now emerging. The truth vindicates. All around us every day, those who either instinctively or methodically arrived at the truth about a variety of topics, especially COVID and the vaccines, are being unequivocally vindicated, and in most cases, trying not to be too smug about it. The truth is coming out in so many ways now. Yesterday, Tucker Carlson on Fox News in the United States revealed the most significant parts of 40,000 hours of security footage from the so-called insurrection on January 6, 2021, to which he and his team had been given exclusive access. It shows that the impression given by the mainstream media and congressional committee investigating the incident, that it was a dangerous threat to democracy, is, to put it politely, not entirely accurate. By now, you've probably seen the footage, so instead, check out US Senator Chuck Schumer, who has for two years been peddling the myth that American democracy almost fell on January 6th.
1: At one point, I was within 30 feet of the rioters. One of them, I was told, shouted out, let's get him. Before my detail pulled me away and we ran in the other direction.
0: <laughs> He's gone from violent insurrection to outrunning a group of hostile protesters who were 10 metres away. We ran in the other direction, he says. Well, Schumer at the time was 70 years old. What sort of insurrectionist can't chase down a 70 year old politician? Schumer went on.
1: To say January 6th was not violent is a lie, a lie pure and simple. Speaker McCarthy's decision to share security footage with Fox looked like a mistake from the very beginning, but after last night, it looks like a disaster.
0: (laughs) It's a disaster, all right, mate. For people like you, who tried to conceal the truth and are now doubling down by calling for more, not less. Censorship of information the people have a right to know. Across the Atlantic in Britain, the Telegraph newspaper has been given access to the WhatsApp messages of former health secretary, Matt Hancock, which reveal another inconvenient truth that the decisions to lock people down were made for cynical political, not health, reasons. Hancock repeatedly made decisions that disrupted lives and bankrupted businesses, merely to avoid the admission admission, that his government, much like every Australian government, had got this so-called pandemic wrong right from the start. In October 2020, he even concocted a plan to help relieve the burden on the French and Italian health systems by taking some of their COVID ICU patients and finding room for them in British hospitals. In a draft letter to his French counterpart, Olivier Veyron, he said, quote, would that be helpful to relieve pressure on your most affected regions Our countries have always stood by each other in times of need. Let me know if that would be helpful. With all best wishes, Matt. Britain at the time was in lockdown, supposedly to reduce the pressure on the British medical system. Whatever helpful camaraderie and best wishes Hancock felt towards Veyron, he obviously didn't also feel for the people of Britain. That's because the elites always stick together. Well, most of them do. This week, former Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison had a crack at New South Wales Premier Dominic Perrottet for supposedly still having vaccine mandates in place for some public sectors. Perrottet had previously said he did not have the power to remove those mandates, Well, that's not true, said his former party colleague, Scott Morrison. State governments can remove the mandates because they were the ones who, in most instances, imposed them. Then Morrison added, for good measure, that the federal government did not support mandates other than the limited ones it imposed regarding the aged and healthcare industries. Well, that's a little disingenuous. Mr. Morrison, in truth, Morrison flicked the decision making over to businesses to decide for themselves. In August 2021, Morrison said, quote, we do not have a mandatory vaccination policy in this country, but an employer may wish to make a reasonable directive to staff. And if they do so, they would need to do so consistent with the law. That was, in effect, a green light for every business in Australia to introduce vaccine mandates that now, in hindsight, we know were not only destructive of people's lives and livelihoods, but were entirely ineffective and unnecessary. If Morrison was really opposed to the mandates at the time, he would have been more emphatic about it, but he wasn't. So far, we in Australia have not seen anything like the exposés that have happened all week in Britain or are happening now regarding the peaceful protesters at the Capitol building in Washington two years ago. Today, however, we saw a tiny glimmer of light shone on the the behind-the-scenes machinations regarding the COVID lockdowns. On the front page of The Australian is a repeat of the story about Victorian Premier Dan Andrews, who spent the better part of two years saying he was locking down the state because it was the right thing to do, not the popular thing to do, but in fact was constantly consulting focus groups to see how much they liked him. For some reason, the focus groups loved them, loved his policies, so he kept doing it. We now also know from the sterling example set by Sweden in Europe, that lockdowns did not save lives. Some of us knew this at the time. Vindication is sweet, but true justice probably requires more than that. Well, to unpack all that, let's bring in one of the most emphatic and earliest critics of the lockdowns and vaccine mandates, and one of the sharpest writers on the topic, Queensland law academic, James Allen. James has a seething piece about this in The Spectator Australia, which is out tomorrow. James, welcome. Thank you, Fred. You're
1: looking good as usual.
0: Oh, thank you, good to have you back too. James, yeah. you've, you've been reading the revelations about how Matt Hancock and his fellow conservative members of parliament in Britain made decisions about the lockdowns there. What is the most disturbing revelation to you?
1: Well, just for people who haven't been following this, because most newspapers aren't covering it, not even the Australian, shamefully, but uh, Matt Hancock was the health minister during the pandemic and afterwards he decided he would have a book, uh, a ghost written for him about how wonderfully he performed. And so he took all these encrypted WhatsApp messages. So you, you, Everyone who was participating during the pandemic, they, they knew that they were encrypted. So they said lots of stuff and there's no way to crack it. So he took it to a journalist, Isabel Oakshot, and she's something of a lockdown skeptic, not to my level. So she wrote the book for him. And then having promised him that she would give them back, she gave them to the Telegraph. I think she's a regular writer for the Telegraph, the London Telegraph. Well, the Telegraph is covering itself in glory, publishing these things. They've been doing it for about six or seven days. Obviously, they're drip feeding them so people will subscribe. It's worth the subscription. And by the way, I think the London Telegraph is probably the best paper in the world right now for anyone on the right side of politics. Superb writers. And they had at least half their stable against uh, lockdowns pretty much from the beginning. Um, the best one in Australia was the one I write for. It's a pleasure and an honor to be associated with the Spectator Australia. We came out against in March, 2020, and we never wavered because you know the data just wasn't there for what we were doing. And uh, Sweden now, as I speak, has the lowest cumulative excess deaths. So this is the one uh, criterion that's almost impossible to game. You can play around with the dates, but basically, you look at how many people died in your country over say from 2015 to 19. So you have a very good idea how many people are expected to die. And you don't really care about who labels them COVID or not COVID because you can game that. And so then you just see how many people are dying. And from the start of COVID to now, Sweden has the lowest excess cumulative deaths in the entire OECD. Right now, Australia is doing terribly. We have 15 to 17 percent deaths above what you're expecting. Nobody's talking about it. Now, this is either caused by all sorts of problems with the lockdowns themselves that drove people into alcoholism, that suicide, you know, young kids in despair, all the sorts of things that anyone with a brain would have said. You know, you should be doing cost-benefit analysis on this. Our statistics right now are shocking. So are Britain's. Anyway, to get back to um, to get back to Hancock. Uh, we're getting these drip feed revelations, you know, so today's was that or yesterday's was that Hancock threatened a Tory MP uh, with, they were going to fund a new center for the disabled in his area. He was a, this MP was a lockdown skeptic. And the health minister, you know, considered whether they just take away the disabled center. If this guy voted against lockdowns, I mean, it's, it's, well, you're, you're finding out all sorts of incredible stuff from these uh, revelations. The head of the civil service was laughing that people would get off planes and go into tiny little hotel quarantine. Uh, you know, they they knew that things weren't working, and they decided they'd keep going anyway because they'd look bad.
0: One of the threads it, that it, one, one of the threads that, that that goes through all these revelations, though, James, is that that they would not reverse the decision if it made them look bad or made a previous decision look excessive. So they, du- they just kept doubling down. That, that, that's the, the theme of these revelations to me.
1: Well, that's a mean theme. Another one is every time they stood in front of the cameras and said, this is the science, it's just laughable they were, you can see from the threads, they were deliberately setting out to silence or criticize or critique some of the best epidemiologists in the world. Sunetra Gupta at Oxford is considered to be the leading, she was against the lockdowns. So they, you know, they pilloried her and uh, Jay Bhattacharya and and Kuldorf, you know, and then they'd stand up and say, this is the science, you know, some two bit little chief medical officer who came near the bottom of his or her medical class and has been a civil servant for decades, fine have an opinion but don't stop other people from having an opinion and they definitely did that and the revelations are really shocking now what i will say for britain is their tory party had a solid three dozen or so mps who didn't like lockdowns and who continually voted against things and we didn't have anything like that in this country so at least in britain they can say look the conservative party was shockingly bad the revelations show that Boris Johnson continually said I don't think this is good. I think this is a bad idea. And then he would be overwhelmed by the bureaucrats and the and the lockdown people. And the same goes for Rishi. Rishi Sunak kept saying this is a bad idea, bad idea. Did he resign? No. Did he say, "Look, I'm just going to I'm this this is I'm not going to participate in this?" No. So I guess you get some credit but they they did have MPs who continually voted
0: against these measures and, well, and we, didn't is, well, yeah, I, we didn't have any Well yeah we didn't have any I would say we had one or two but, yeah, Christensen. yeah Christensen, yeah, Christensen yep And Craig Kelly, who obviously we all know what happened to him. Craig
1: Kelly. We had two, two. but
0: but they were censored by their own party. Exactly. Well, the eerie thing about the revelations by the Telegraph in Britain is just how familiar these things are, that it's the smugness of the politicians, the the venal nature of the decision-making processing. All that is exactly what we were seeing in Australia. Do you think... The same. Do you think the same level of cynicism behind the scenes was exercised in Australia?
1: Of course. Of course. And we'd know it's the same in Canada and the US too. I mean, they're not going to be dumb enough to release encrypted messages between all the top players. It's astounding we have these, you know, and the journalist who released them is being criticised by all sorts of journalists for breaking her promise to uh, Hancock, these are the same, these other journalists are the same ones who didn't have an iota of skepticism. You know, they just mouthed the platitudes of we're all in this together. From day one, the top epidemiologists knew that if you were young, so under 30 and fit, your chances of dying from COVID were one 1,000th, those of people over 75. So in other words, they were close to zero. I sat on an ethics committee when I lived in New Zealand, a university ethics committee, and I was the most of all the people on the committee, I was probably the one that was most in favor of. Well, look, sometimes we got to let people do this research without, you know, total informed consent where, you know, maybe you couldn't identify the person. Why do we care? We threw out the whole idea of informed consent in this country just out of the blue. Yeah. And all of a sudden we're forcing people under 30. Now, look. Pretty early on, we we now know, by the way, that the drug companies never tested the vaccines for whether they stopped transmissibility or not. I I took the first two shots so that I could leave the country. I mean, my wife and I left uh, the first Christmas, the second Christmas. We had to go through a, a hotel quarantine. It was hell. But, you know, I read the data and anyone with a brain who read the data knew for almost everyone, this was like barely worse than the flu. If you're over 75, it could be dangerous. For most countries in the democratic world, the average age of COVID deaths, even with how they screwed around with the definition of what a COVID death was so that, you know, in Britain, if you got hit by a bus and they found you had COVID, they counted that as a COVID death, literally. But the average age of COVID deaths was higher than the life expectancy.
0: Yes, and, you know, yep. Morrison
1: would get up there with a straight face and just basically lie to us.
0: Well, let's talk about Scott Morrison. This week, just in the past two days, he's tried to distance himself from vaccine mandates. I looked back at what he said in August 20, 2021, and he was very careful to uh, to not endorse vaccine mandates he pretty much handballed the decision over to companies, employers, to decide whether or not they should discriminate against their employees on the grounds of their being vaccinated or not. Now, this week, Scott Morrison has distanced himself even further from vaccine mandates, saying that Dominic Perrottet in New South Wales can, if he wants, lift all vaccine mandates from state government bureaucracies. Now, do you think Scott Morrison is in some way. What's the date, Fred?
1: What date do you have? Do you have March 8th, 2023? Yes. It's a bit late for someone to be trying to redeem himself. I mean, come on, we've known for for ages that, that the vaccines don't affect transmissibility. There's some evidence that if you've had three or four boosters, you're more likely to get it. And so the idea that some, I mean, why are we forcing people to do these things when it doesn't, the vaccine doesn't, you know, first of all, they had to go to Wikipedia and change the definition of vaccine. I'm not a, you know, they, they use this label anti-vax. I was a member of a group in New Zealand called the New Zealand Skeptics. We were in favor of vaccines. You know, normal vaccines for rubella or the mumps or the chicken pox, they're like unbelievable medical miracles. And you're an idiot if you don't take, you know, I don't care if you do or not, but you're an idiot if you don't. And normally when you get a vaccine, you don't expect to actually get the disease. It's like one in a million. You don't expect that you're going to get it five times. These people who have had it six times and they go, if only I'd taken that seventh booster. <laughs> I mean, at some point, you have to be a little skeptical. These boosters are basically like flu shot. The, you know, the vaccine's basically like a flu shot. It works if you're over 75 or over 80 when you do the cost-benefit analysis. For people under 30, there was never any reason to take the things. You were basically being forced to take it if you were young, in the, on the view that this would help old people, it turns out it doesn't even do that, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, um, because it doesn't affect the transmissibility, and so it was really ugly what we saw. And Scott Morrison is the man who couldn't summon up the will to criticize Dan Andrews one single time through the whole. Th- if you couldn't find anything about how Dan Andrews behaved that you wanted to criticize, you don't. You shouldn't be giving advice to anybody on anything. You know, well, let's Dan so, yeah. Andrews was the.
0: Let's talk about Dan Andrews because he's on the front page of the Australian today. Now you mentioned at the start that the that the Australian media hasn't uh, at at all uh, reported what's going down in Britain at the moment, despite the fact that it has enormous resonance here in Australia. But the Australian. As the Australian has put on the front page today a repeat of a story they've been working on for some time. They've, they've run this story a few times and to their credit, they have put it on the front page. It's Dan Andrews using focus groups to keep one eye on his popularity while he's locking people down. But it, it, it's a little too late and it's a little too it's too little, for example, for, you know, for one thing. Do you think the mainstream media has lost the trust of the public in Australia?
1: Look, if you're being right down the road, The Spectator Australia stood way off on one end and was against lockdowns on principle, really, because you you know you live in a society committed to civil liberties. Your first reaction is not to follow communist China on bogus data. It turns out and weld people in their homes. Your first, you know, sensible policy making is you continue with the plan that you had based on 100 years of data, which is what. The Swedish epidemiologist Anders Tegnell did he said I'm just going with all the data no data changed between November 2019 and March 2020 other than watching people being welded in their homes in China and a few Italian clips where people would fall on the street and die which is ridiculous that is not what COVID does and so uh, you know in terms of Australian media we had nothing like main big newspapers we had nothing like the Telegraph but the Australian was the best of the lot because they did occasionally give room to and Adam Creighton, who was yeah. excellent. Best of all was Steve Waterson. He'd get an occasional run in the Saturday papers and he was apoplectically mad about the lockdowns. And, you know, sometimes I'd think, God, there's a... And to their credit, the Australian did do that. But the basic line was just uh, basically unquestioning and unskeptical. And yeah. the fact that main media is not covering these telegraph revelations. It just makes you, you know, there, there's lots of studies coming out of the US now where the least trusted sort of institutions in the democratic world are journalists and the media, like it's down below 20% because they just are protecting their arses and they're not saying, okay, look, look, we know what Hancock was doing. We have all the data, we have the proof they were, as you say, they were well, trying but to James, cover their these own- these are good bars. stories.
0: I mean, these are good
1: stories. Well, They'd sell newspapers, wouldn't they? He was actually saying, go out and silence those people who are disagreeing with lockdowns, even though some of them had incredible credentials. You know, this is not, I don't mind people disagreeing with me. The idea that you would deliberately set out to silence people who disagree and some of them are massively better credentialed. I'm not a I'm not into the game of, you know, credentials, but on things like that credentials probably matter. And you're silencing some of the leading people in the world. They, you know, it's it's the same in the US with the lab leak theory. Fauci deliberately went out and he you know, it, it turns out now that the preponderance of evidence is clearly that it came out of a lab. You yeah. can read Matt You meet Matt Ridley, the FBI now says so, a bunch of uh, other American uh, bureaucracies. They silenced that for two and a half years. Right. And you were called all sorts of names. And it's just been been the worst public policymaking.
0: Indeed it has. But just before you go, James, let's just shift the focus over to the public. And, you know, I think ADH viewers and Spectator Australia readers might be exceptions to this. But do you think the public let just... Just let this happen.
1: Well, you know, again, another thing we're seeing from these releases is it was deliberate government policy to scare the bejesus out of people. You know, Hancock and some of the other kind. How can we scare people more? Because if we scare them senseless, you know, they'll do they'll do everything we. So, you know, in a way, it's hard to blame these people who were scared. They do studies in Britain now. They people people were thinking that if they got COVID, they had a thirty percent chance of dying. It was a hundredth of that, even if you were old. And so so people were scared senseless. And if you're scared senseless, you make not very good decisions. Yeah. And so, but, but again, it did disappoint me to see that uh, so many Australians, uh, you know, didn't exactly exhibit very much bravery, but that there were exceptions. And, you know, up here in Queensland, we never really had the massive lockdowns they had in Melbourne you know I would have been a protester in Melbourne I mean, the, the, the way they and that's another thing that th- these uh WhatsApp m- messages are revealing they deliberately weaponized the police they went out and got the police to be sort of thugs I grew up in the most pro-police lower middle class family in Toronto all through law school I was the most pro-police person when professors you know were always going on about how terrible the police were but let's be honest the way the police behaved during the lockdowns was a disgrace. An absolute, and when you see those clips of what they did in Victoria, there's no, there's no, uh, nothing you can say other than, you know, it'll be a long time before I go out of my way to do anything for the police.
0: Yeah, it's hard you know, to, it's to look at, shock, it's hard to look at that footage now. It, yeah, it is difficult to look at that footage now and uh, and not be utterly disgusted, really? yeah. Um, James, Absolutely. So, thank you so much for your time. We've run out of time, but we'll get you back on soon. You've got plenty to okay. talk about. I,
1: I'm gonna gonna need tips from you on how to dress and, you know, stylists
0: and all that, because you're looking pretty good, buddy. Yeah, you're (laughs) looking good. You're looking good, James. Thanks, mate. That's Queensland law professor, James Allen, whose scathing piece about the COVID lockdowns and vaccines is published tomorrow in The Spectator Australia. Well, that's all from me tonight. Thanks for watching. Alan Jones is up at eight o'clock. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can find me at, at Fred Paul, that's F-R-E-D-P-A-W-L-E, or follow ADH on at A-D-H-T-V-A-U-S. And you can catch all the latest from ADH's rapidly expanding lineup, including Alexandra Marshall, Daisy Cousins, David Flint, Nick Cater, Lyle Shelton, and more, by going to adh.tv or better still, downloading our app or find us wherever you get your podcasts. ADH is the new home for common sense commentary. And as we all know, there's plenty to comment about. I'll see you again tomorrow at seven o'clock. Good night.